the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The last week or so has been very tough for Americans to witness this video um, of the police beating of Tyree Nichols in Memphis. And I have so many questions about how something like this could, could have occurred. And I wanted to find a guest who uh, is a nationally ex- uh, nationally recognized expert in criminal justice, public policy. Uh, I wanted to talk to a guy who's been in the trenches, or a gal, somebody who's uh, been on the job, in the field. Uh, Sheriff Curry Myers has decades of uh, experience as a law enforcement officer at the local, state, and federal level. He uh, ended his law enforcement career as the sheriff of uh, one of the largest uh, sheriff's offices in the Midwest, and in the, in the Kansas City area, Johnson City or Johnson County, Kansas, rather, he's retired sheriff, Dr. Curry Myers. It's a real honor to have you here on the Mike Gallagher Show. We appreciate you joining us. I know that law enforcement officers all over the world have really grieved the, uh, the, the this this story. This is a reflection in a very bad way on I think the the phrase police brutality can certainly come to mind. We don't under most of us lay people don't understand this. Can can we start by giving us your emotional reaction when you first heard that this young man was was essentially beaten to death? You saw the video, you saw the way these officers in Memphis uh, conducted themselves. What were your what what was your emotional response to the Tyree Nichols story? Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Um, I think the first thing that uh, that I saw was um, thuggish behavior and almost like gang type behavior. Uh, it really didn't make sense from a law enforcement point of view. Um, very few things that were done um, in the physical takedown and the altercation that occurred is something that law enforcement trains throughout the country. They don't. None of those things. We, we don't train to kick people. Um, we train to arrest people appropriately and handcuff them appropriately. And then also the failure to render aid was was a concern as well. So we we saw someone who was injured, um, bleeding, and the inability of law enforcement to watch him and and render aid. And that included the the EMTs. And uh, as a result, it's my understanding those EMTs have been terminated now for failing to, to render aid. But also from a career law enforcement officer point of view and as a criminologist and someone who teaches this, um, I also get very concerned when we rush to judgment without all of the facts. Um, it, 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 it appears evidence that the correct charges were filed. There was an internal investigation done by the police department uh, that include the viewing of cameras. It was referred then because it looked like criminal activity. It was referred then to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, which is a fine organization. I was a member of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation for many years before I was sheriff. Uh, and did police shootings and and use of force issues and worked homicides. Um, so I'm very familiar with these kinds of things. And then uh, the prosecutor um, impaneled a grand jury, and the grand jury 
uh, came back with a true bill to to indict these officers, and they've been arrested, and, and now they're pending trial, and, and they're going to get their day in court, and we're going to see more information and evidence come forward. Um, but the difficulty is when you're just looking at a video uh, that moves rapidly, and, and, it, and it's difficult to have context of what happens before or after. Um, I'm, I'm very curious what toxicology reports are going to be, um, any kind of forensic pathology reports that we're going to see as, um, uh, in, uh, with respect to the victim. And the, and the events leading up to the car stop, I think, are extremely important. But the actions on the officers themselves, um, the evidence ap appears horrible, yeah. uh, and it's just very thuggish. Um, but also, I think, you know, I, I want to focus on something that maybe other people aren't focusing on. We have a tendency, once again, to view this through the prism of race somehow, when there are other issues and causal reasons why these things occur. Uh, and I'm actually... Probably um, tomorrow morning, and I'll, I'm doing the edits now, but I have a substack, drcurrymyers.substack.com, in which I'm going to talk about um, the causal effects that lead up to this kind of behavior. Um, and some of them might be surprising for some people to hear. Well, what's the most surprising aspect of that? Help us understand what could lead to uh, sort of uh, uh, what I consider to be what appears to be mass criminal behavior. This isn't one officer going rogue or two or even three. Uh, all five of them were incredibly violent, brutal uh, in in in, yep. in hitting this guy. And I'm, you know, you got to understand, I'm a pro law enforcement guy. I mean, I've got a foundation that assists families who have uh, lost police officers in the line of duty. We call it Gallagher's Heroes, the Fallen Officer Fund, and I believe that you guys are heroes truly heroes for a reason it's one of the most dangerous professions you risk your life every single day you put on the gun and the badge uh, it's an honorable noble thing to do for a living uh it's a calling it's it, and i just it just breaks my heart to even say this but what what would surprise people to to consider when you talk about the causal factors what would lead up to this kind of a uh, this kind of a of an incident well, let's look at the macro perspective first and look at police interactions in general. Um, law enforcement had about n over 40 million police interactions in 2022. Uh, less than 3% of those interactions ended up in use of force. Less than 3% of those 40 million interactions. And of those 3%, um, 95% of the use of force, and use of force doesn't mean someone killing somebody. It means hands-on or less than lethal weapons. Um, there's different types of use of force. Um, and in 95% of those cases, the use of force is justified. So it's a, you know, I'm a big believer in evidence-based policing. You look at the data. Um, but when we have incident, incident, incidents like this, it go back, you have to go back to um, the kind of personnel that Memphis may be hiring, um, their training or their inability to have the training. And it goes back to um, lack of budgets. Um, we have a retention problem in law enforcement that's going on today. These matters only make it worse. Um, but in particular, um, Memphis PD reduced their standards. Um, and they reduced their standards about three years ago. Um, two of the, six, of the six officers were hired after those, those reduction in standards. All of the officers have left less than six years on. Um, and when you reduce standards, 
um, that's a problem. And there's also a command and control problem. Where was the supervision? Where was people? Where was the field supervisors? Uh, and what mentality was was set forth in this special unit to go after people? We have to remember that we. I tell all. I always use this is my favorite saying. I say it with my students, especially as law enforcement is in the position of we serve something greater than ourselves. Right. Um, right. We have to have that mantra in everything that we do is that we serve something greater than ourselves. And law and these particular officers lost sight of that. And they're no longer treating people with respect and humanity. They they became thugs. They became Dr. not anything Dr. different than a gang. Dr. Curry Myers is our guest. He's a retired sheriff. He's a nationally recognized expert in criminal justice public policy. Of course, as a veteran of law enforcement, you must have a theory. And I have to ask you um, what your theory is that made these men so angry. I, I, I couldn't get over what appeared to be the unbridled rage, the fury that they felt. In fact, one of the other officers was quoted as saying, uh, pardon my language here, but I hope they stomp his ass. Stomp him. I mean, what do you think could have possibly triggered that kind of rage on on the part of these officers? I think it goes back to the cognitive biases that they've had um, from the beginning of, of uh, um, w- throughout the neighborhood. So, you know, let's look at violent crime. Violent crime in America is up. It's been up since uh, 2020. Uh, murder rates are increasing. Violent crime is is increasing. But Memphis in particular is one of the most dangerous cities in America today. It was number 13 in the amount of homicides that occurred in 2022. And the violent crime, the overall crime rate is 237% higher than the U.S. crime rate. The um, murder rate is over 500% higher than the U.S. average on murder rate, and I'm talking per 100,000 um, citizens. So you're walking into an environment that is already um, a fuse that could go off at any time. Right. And then you you look at um, what a lot of people don't want to talk about is the issue with black on black crime in America and most of the largest cities today. 70% of the homicide victims are black, and an equal number are the suspects. And in Memphis, there was 88% of the homicide victims are black, and almost 70% of the of the perpetrators are are black. And so, we're, we're, you're living in a powder keg, and um, law enforcement is a mirror reflection of the society in which they serve. So these officers are a mirror reflection of the Memphis community, and they have been hired with lower standards. They weren't trained appropriately. That's that's apparent. We're going to learn more information about this case as the case unfolds and become becomes public. Um, but and there was a command and control issue where um, they didn't stop what was going on uh, and do something else. When the person ran away, if you know who they are, you can always go back and arrest them later with a bench warrant. There's so many different things that you could do um, to turn down that aggression. If you look at the videotape, they're running, they're out of breath. Um, they're running again, they're out of breath. Um, the, the, I'm sure they were physically and mentally exhausted as well as the victim. Um, and you can't make good common sense decisions when, when these things happen. 
And I think one of the things that gets overlooked today is that we as a young people today have a very difficult time with deconfliction. Everything goes from from zero to one hundred now when it right. when when they are when they are fa- faced with um, pressure and issues. We see it on the college campuses sometimes when if someone disagrees with somebody, what happens? Is there is is there a discussion? Is there an argument? No, it automatically escalates to yelling, pushing. Um, this this is a crisis. Uh, this is an American societal crisis. Um, and the and the problem is everybody's viewing law enforcement as the only profession that's going through that. When in reality, it is the people that are having these issues and their their inability to to handle conflict appropriately. Final question: I want to ask you about police reform because you hear this over and over again. Uh, we've heard it all week now. This desire for police reform. I'm I'm just listen. I'm with most Americans who are really disgusted and appalled at this uh, at this young man's death. But I have to say, I don't understand what kind of police reform would prevent something like this from having occurred. Uh, I don't know. What, I don't understand what kind of training would have prevented something like this from occurring. They're, these officers weren't trained to do what they did. Can you can you address this this conversation, this talking point about police reform and what that looks like in terms of 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 what is that pragmatic uh, and and uh, easily identified solution? What, are the, what do people mean by police reform? What kind of reform would have stopped this from happening? These were bad hires. They shouldn't have been hired to begin with. Um, those are So this is a recruitment, a retention issue, and then it goes into whether or not people get trained appropriately later on. Um, I think there are opportunities for improvement in law enforcement. I write about these every day. I have difficulty, and I think the law enforcement profession in general, when they hear police reform or reimagine police or police defund, it's language of the left that I I don't think is, uh, is acceptable. I look at it, there are opportunities for improvement. We need evidence-based policing throughout the United States so we can make decisions based on data and data in real time. And we don't have that. A lot of police data is historic in nature, and it's difficult to go combat crime when you don't know um, what's going on and whether or not the data is up, up, um, uh, you know, current or not. Right. And, and there, right. there's software and there's that's one thing. We need to actually fund police accordingly then we shouldn't do it through fines, fees, and forfeitures. So look at a place like Chicago, for instance, that has um, speed cameras everywhere throughout the city. That has nothing to do for the police department. That doesn't reduce crime. You know what that is? That's using police as a form of revenue. Right. And that's using law enforcement as a form of revenue. That has an impact on society. There's no question about it. We this, this, our citizens are faced with fees all the time every time they do something wrong. That has an impact on society. Law enforcement is a core government service. If you're going to fund it, you need to fund it appropriately through general funds and not supplant. Right. And the last thing is asset forfeiture. We have to be very careful on seizing other people's property, guns, and, and and money. I make the argument that I, there's nothing wrong with asset forfeiture, but it needs to be linked to criminal activity, and it needs to go through adjudication process during the court case. And the judge, after conviction, will say, 
yes, you can seize that because the evidence shows that you use that property, use that money or whatever, um, you know, before you can seize it. So you leave a black mark in society when you have those kinds of things. And then we have to have significant understanding of of what we can do better in the criminal justice system. Um, We're not dealing with recidivists. Recidivism is very high. In many ways, for violent crime, 70% of the offenders will reoffend when they get back out. We had woke bail policies where we didn't have bail, and we still don't in most major cities. And you have offenders, even violent offenders, that are out on no bail reoffending, and law enforcement sitting there, what do you want us to do? And I think frustrations occur there. It doesn't mean that it's justified. I'm not saying that these officers are justified, but you have police officers today that are shutting down and saying, I'm not going to engage. I'm going to wait out the clock and I'm going to do everything I can to just see if I can make it and not get killed or I'm going to retire. That's got to change. I look very much forward to uh, following you on Substack, drcurrymyers.substack.com. Dr. Myers, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the Mike Gallagher Show. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.